0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Jar. We're so glad that you're here today. And I want to kind of call your attention to a little uh, card that was put in your uh, program, if you could pull that out for a second. On Saturday, we're going to have a carnival, a free carnival that will be in Cannon Commons, which is just the big Uh, field, open field, uh, right across from the Y, and there's going to be fun, and there's going to be games, and there's going to be inflatables, and food, and all kinds of stuff, and we want to strongly encourage you uh, to come and to be a part of that. Um, We also have a need for some volunteers, and so if you'd be willing to help volunteer just for a couple hours, there'll be two shifts, one from three to five, And the second one from 5 to 7. You can just go to the resource table uh, over there and sign up, and we'll get you plugged in. But I would strongly encourage you to think about that and to be a part of that. Now, this card isn't necessarily for you. It is for you to invite someone else. And so, uh, again, if you have a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, someone that has kids... They're going to have a lot of fun if they come, and it'll be a great kind of no-pressure way that they can get connected here at the JAR. And if you do that, um, you'll be able to dunk me in a tank, okay? Uh, There I am in the tank. We're going to have a water tank. And so if you bring somebody, you'll be able to do that. If you don't bring anyone, then you have to pay a lot of money to do that. Um, but we would encourage you uh, to do so. And then at six o'clock, Derek and uh, some of the other guys in the band are going to be uh, playing live uh, on the stage there for uh, an hour or so. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and we really want you to be there. Yes? All right, let's pray. Well, loving God, we uh, thank you so much for all that you give to us, and we do pray for the carnival coming up on Saturday, God. That We would do our best inviting, that we would sign up to help, and that lives really would be changed. And so we ask, God, that you would uh, do a great work in that event. And now, God, for many of us uh, today, God, we are at different crossroads in our lives with decisions that we have to make. And so I ask, God, that you would come and you would move. Allow people to glean some wisdom today so that they would make right decisions um, so that your name would be made great. So come Holy Spirit now, we invite you into this moment and this time. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. About a year ago, I was approached by a friend of mine who I'd known for about 10 years and this is what he said to me. Chris, I'm working at a startup software company, and I have a deal of a lifetime for you. He told me that this startup company was looking for investors to create some capital so that they could move the company forward in some great ways. Now, he told me that I had to come up with the money, though, in seven days. But if I did, I was in. So I started thinking about it. And I thought to myself, this could be huge. I mean, I could become the next computer guru. I could be Bill Gates, you know. I could be the next Bill Gates. So this friend of mine continues to tell me about how the prophet, when all this lands, is going to be out of this world. And I started thinking to myself, what am I going to do with the thousands of dollars that I'm going to make from this deal? I thought of some of the places that I would travel to. I thought I would even tithe, like, back to the church. And I thought I might get some romantic gifts for my wife Jennifer, like some pots and pans, you know? I mean, some new ones. And maybe even some floor mats, you know, for her car. And I was just so excited. And everyone in this deal would win if I just jumped into it. So I kept thinking about it, and I thought to myself, it's a no-brainer. I've got to do this. Then, I remember looking at some scripture on some wise sayings from Proverbs, and to look at the pending decision that I had to make. Here's the first proverb The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. I don't need any advice. This is a no brainer. I'm going to do it, I think. Proverbs 14 15. Fools optimistically believe anything, but the prudent give thoughts. To their steps. Well, that's what I was doing. I was thinking about my next step. And I was thinking very optimistically about this next step. Proverbs 14 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Hey, I don't want anyone to die over this. I mean, I'm not hoping for that. Don't want anyone to, to die. I think. Solomon's a little bit over the top on this one. I'm going to move ahead with this, though. I don't need some stinking 6,000 year old book telling me that I'm not the best decision maker. Sure, I have some blind spots, but I don't need an old book like this one telling me that. Besides, I only have seven days to jump in on this deal. I can't wait around like Proverbs says. Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Ugh. That's not so good. One more. Zeal without knowledge is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong way. But hey, if I don't make this deal, guess what? Some other person's going to jump in on the thousands of dollars that I'm going to make. They're going to sweep in and steal my profit. One more proverb. Kind of my life verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your pass straight. He's going to make my path straight. Isn't that cool? Once I make this decision that I'm going to, you know, give a little money, but I'm going to get a whole bunch of money back, then this software deal will really make it for me. But there are a few complications and conditions to this. It says, don't rely on your own understanding. But it's my insights that got me to where I am. I don't need some other understanding. I've got my own understanding. These Proverbs, I think, are just a waste of time. I'm just going to go and call my buddy, and I'm going to tell him, I'm in. I'm in. Now, time out, folks. Just for a second. Because I have a feeling that many of you have been at different places like that with decisions that you've had to make before. And rarely does a week go by that people don't come to me for some counsel. And they'll tell me that they are at a critical crossroad. There's a crossroad that they're at and they've got to make a decision. And sometimes... It's a job-related decision. Sometimes it's a marriage decision. Sometimes it's a parenting decision. Sometimes it's a family decision. Sometimes it's a health decision or a financial decision or a dating decision. And hundreds of us, every single week, find ourselves at a crossroads. And we would really like to get it right, right? You want to make wise decisions all the time. You want to make the right decision. And if you're facing a decision today, today is your lucky day of why you came to church. Because we are studying the book of Proverbs, which wants us to know how we can be crystal clear with the insights that we have regarding wise decisions. So here's the first insight I want to share with you today. Do not make decisions unilaterally. Okay? Do not make decisions unilaterally. Solomon, the guy who wrote the book of Proverbs and is considered the wisest man in the Old Testament, he says, Be leery of your own intuition. Be very leery about making decisions on your own. We just read Proverbs three, verse five. Again, it says, Do not lean on your what? Own understanding. Do not rely, another translation says, Do not rely on your own insight. Here, Solomon is not questioning our IQ. He's not calling us stupid. You know, I think if Solomon were here, what he would say is, hey, you're smart people. You're wise people. But do you always get every decision right? Be careful this, with this idea of making decisions unilaterally. Because if you get too cocky, wiser people than even you have made poor decisions. You've gotten it wrong. So humble yourself and don't go out and make unilateral decisions. You've done that before, haven't you? Have you ever gone out before and you make a decision just on your own? You don't ask anybody else. You just decide for your own and then what happens? You pay for it later. We could go around and we could give a microphone about the painful experiences that some of you have had because you did it on your own. You need to invite God into your decisions. Do a thorough God-guided process and then make the decisions. Folks, God loves you. He wants to share his wisdom with you. And you simply need to let him in on the decision-making process. Here's the second insight that Solomon gives. Do not rush a decision if you can possibly avoid doing so. Do not rush a decision if you can possibly do if you can possibly not do so. Any of you ever heard or any of you ever learned that the hard way? Make a real quick decision? And you're like, ah. Oh. Making quick decisions most of the time, folks, is not a good idea. It's not. Remember Proverbs twenty one, five? It says. In other words, rushing into a decision leads to what? Leads to poverty. Folks, anytime people need an answer from you in such a way that you don't have adequate time to consider all of the information, you know what you should tell them? No! It's a really hard thing to say though, isn't it? But you just say, No! I have just learned this the hard way, and I'm trying to make sure that you don't learn it the hard way. I've had a lot of pain in my life, even involving money, from making decisions too quickly. And in the last couple of years, I've learned to just pass on things, to just pass. And now when someone comes up to me and they're like, Chris, I've got this great deal, Like you wouldn't believe what it is. I want you to be a part of it. But I need to know in 24 hours. You know what I say? No. No. I'm okay, folks. Look at this. I'm okay with passing on some of the deals and not making. I'm okay missing out. Because if I can't wrap my head around it and invite God to come into the decision-making process, I would rather just pass on some of those opportunities. The next key insight that Solomon gives to us for effective decision-making is this. Do not make decisions when you are angry. Do not make decisions when you are angry. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you have ever made a poor decision before when you were angry? Anybody? Okay. That's pretty good. That's most of you. I don't even have to call the rest of you liars today, so that's good. Well, we looked at a verse last week about this, right? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, it just stirs up. It stirs up anger. What kind of decisions do you make when you're angry? Do you make good decisions or do you make bad? As a young boy, I remember one day uh, riding my bicycle over to my buddy Jeff's house. And as I got up to their gravel road, I watched as his dad ran him down like an animal, jumped on him and started pounding him. In the face. And when I saw that for the first time. I just remember how sick I got. I almost vomited right there. I turned my bike around. I went home. And I was thinking about that. This week, it's been almost 30 years since that image was in my mind. And it traumatized me. It's never left me. In a fit of rage, decisions like that sometimes happen. I've counseled dozens and dozens of women, unfortunately, who have been hit or abused by their husband or their significant other. And each time when they'll come to me and they'll share their pain, I'm sickened by it. I I mean, I do. I, I literally, I'm sickened. I just want to say to all of the men in this room, don't ever lay a hand on a woman or a child regardless of how angry you may be. I mean it. Don't ever, ever, ever lay a hand on a woman or a child. And when you feel the anger rising in you and you feel like you might be getting out of control, leave where you're at. Run away from the temptation. If you feel tempted to strike a woman then go get some Christian counseling as quickly as you can. If you need the help, come to me. There'll be no judgment, but get some help. Because if you do this, and I've seen it with other guys, they actually can change. You can learn how to manage your anger. And let me say this, guys. It's okay to be angry. It's the one thing that men probably struggle with the most. It's okay for us to be angry. Jesus got angry. But any time that you strike someone, you cross the line. And let me just say this to the women and the young people here today as well. If you are ever in a household where someone hits you, ever, 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 Leave the house. Don't stay. Don't think that you need to be a better wife or a better child or I'm not as honoring to God. Just leave. Because all the data shows that when he hits you once, he'll hit you again and he'll hit you again. And that's what I've noticed as I've been a pastor. You've got to get out of the house. If you need help, call the church office. We'll help you find Something to help with the situation. But terrible decisions again and again and again happen when we're under the influence of anger. You ever had this experience before? You're on your computer and all of a sudden you get a message or you get a Facebook message or an email from somebody and you look at it and it's scathing. You're like, ugh! Well, I'll show them, bam, and you send it back to them before you think it through. And then you're like, oh, why did I do that? Every once in a while, I get emails from people that aren't very encouraging. And so what I do is I have a 24-hour rule. I read it. If it's any kind of mail, I read it, and then I set aside for 24 hours. And then I ask God what is the best way to honor him in this response. Folks, under the influence of anger, you and I, we make horrible, terrible decisions. Don't do it. The fourth key insight to making wise decisions is this. Seek God's wisdom most of all, and when it comes, follow it. Seek His wisdom, you get it, then follow it. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Folks, I want to make something perfectly clear here this morning when you are standing at a critical crossroads in your life and a decision has to be made whose wisdom are you going to look to most yours or God's do you want Dr. Phil's wisdom or Oprah's wisdom or do you want somebody else or do you want God Do you want Sean Hannity's wisdom? Or Anderson Cooper's wisdom? Or do you want God's wisdom? Do you turn to Cousin Eddie? And what Cousin Eddie's going to tell you? Or do you seek God's wisdom? Now back to the software deal that I was talking about. This is how I handled it. I took a couple of days and just maybe an hour each day and I opened up the Bible and I had my journal beside me And I would look at things and then I would write things down in my journal. And I remember saying something like this, that God, I trust you. That your ways are higher than my ways. That your wisdom is greater than mine. You've guided me in the past. I know you love me. I know you're capable of doing anything for me. So I fully invite you, God, into this decision. Let me ask you this morning, when you have key decisions to make in your life, do you invite God to be the guiding force of those? Some of you are some of the smartest people I know. And yet I just wonder, do you pause for a second and do you invite God to actually guide you on these decisions. Is your first step in the decision-making process inviting God to be present? I fear, and I was thinking about this week, I really do. I fear for many of you that your first thing is fret and worry and you start making a whole bunch of lists. But formally, you never really invite God to into your decision process. Now, some of you, I bet you have, or maybe you've experienced that before, where you've invited God into a process before. And have you ever experienced this? You invite God into the decision-making process, and then all of a sudden, you feel some sense of peace. The decision isn't even made yet. You don't even know if God has... Answered any of the decisions that you've had. Maybe he hasn't said a single word, but just by offering it to him and saying, God, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do, that he just feel like some peace. Because you have the rock-solid assurance that God is not going to leave you, he's going to help you in the process. And there's no better decision that you can make than to place all your decisions into the hands of the one who knows you best and who loves you the most. Folks, I have big decisions every single week that I have to make. But you know what? Most of the time, I sleep fine at night. I really do. I lay my head down. I fall asleep. I have no problem whatsoever. Because I've invited God into the decision, so I'm not going to worry about it. Whatever His timetable is, I'm okay with. It. I just say with him. God, I believe you're going to guide me. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm trusting you that you will in time. And I can put my head on the pillow at night and I can just fall asleep. No problem at all. Now, here's the question, though, that some of you are asking this morning. Okay, bunch, uh, once you have a decision, you say, here, God, I'm going to place it into your hands. How does God provide the wisdom back to us? Does he write it in a cloud? And all of a sudden you can look at the clouds and it says no. Or you look at the clouds and it says yes. Or is it animals? We just look at the animals long enough and say, speak to me. And then that means yes. That means no. You know, what is it? Well, I think that there are three ways that God typically speaks to us through his wisdom. The first one is through his word. Through his word. The Bible. That's what the word is. It's the Bible. God's words. Did you know that 80% of all of the decisions you have to make typically can be answered by simply picking up this book, digging into it a little bit, reading it? 80% of all your life decisions, folks, are right here in this book. If someone has wronged me, but they come back. And they ask for forgiveness. Should I forgive them? The Bible says, the answer is, yes. The Bible says you should. Should you fudge on the inventory at work and maybe take a couple of things for yourself? No one will ever know. No, the Bible says. You should always be honest and not still. Should I work hard even if my boss doesn't appreciate what I'm doing? Answer is, the Bible says, yes, you should honor your employer. Folks, God speaks clearly through the words in this book. And that's why I want to encourage you to saturate yourself in it. Don't go on binges where you read you know, 10 chapters and then you don't read for 10 months. Every single day, just jump in and read 10 to 20 verses. Because when you do that, when decisions come to your life, they are so much easier to be made. And then when you make the decision, according to the Bible, it says, watch God move. Just watch what He does. Now, you can take this to the bank, folks. God will never ask you to do something contrary to what the words in this book says. He'll never contradict Himself. He will never guide you to cheat on your spouse. He will never guide you to renege on a signed contract. He will never guide you to, you know, put money down on the Chicago Cubs or the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, just never. Okay? Okay? He will never guide you to live beyond your means. He will never guide you to harm your body in any way. And all of his guidance, folks, is consistent with the words in the Bible. The second way that God provides us his wisdom is through his whispers. Through his whispers. A whisper is a prompting, kind of an impression that you might get, not audibly, but just in your spirit, of a course of direction that you should take. Now, I realize that some of you are thinking right now, hey bunch, I'd be open to hearing God's whispers in my life, but He just isn't speaking. So how do I know what to do? Well, if that's you, if you haven't had much of a track record from heaven speaking to you on earthly decisions that you have to make, you're not alone. For most of my early years of life. I never thought God really spoke to me. I just did the church thing. But then seventh grade came and the first day of school came and I was scared to death to get on that yellow bus and go to a school that I had never been to before. Because in 7th grade, you know, you have to start going from class to class to class to class. And you have different teachers. And you have a locker. And you have to remember the combination of that locker. Remember that? You get there and you're like, I don't remember. Is it 3 this way or 4? What is it? You know? And all of this was coming down on me. And I was really freaked out about this. And so the night before the first day of seventh grade, I was just so upset and was just kind of crying. And I was a mama's boy anyways. And I go to mama and I'm like, mom, I'm really scared about going to school tomorrow. And my mom said this. Well, have you talked to God about this yet? And I remember saying this so clearly. No, God doesn't speak. To me. To which my mom was like, oh boy. Yes, he does, boy. Let's write your concerns down on a piece of paper. We'll put it in the Bible and then we'll wait and see. Now I was petrified, so I was like, man, I'll try anything. So we wrote them down, we put them in the Bible. I went to bed that night and I can remember just before I fell asleep that I sensed this whisper saying, Chris, I'm going to be with you all day tomorrow. It's going to be okay. And it was. Folks, that's the earliest defining spiritual whisper that I've ever had in my life and I've never forgotten. Because I went through that entire day. And not that there wasn't some anxiety in the things that were going on. But I didn't break down. I didn't lose it. I sensed that God was really there with me. I believe to my toes to this day, folks, that God still speaks. I mean, I've had unmistakable impressions in my minor... Sometimes I'll, I'll go through the middle of the day and all of a sudden I'll sense something. I'll be like, now what is that? Who put that thought there? And as I've tried to teach you guys throughout the history of the jar, listen to the whispers of God. Test them. It might be God speaking. It might be bad Chinese food. I don't know. But He will choose to speak. Now a scripture that's been very informative for me in the regards to whispers is in Romans eight six and it says this. The mind controlled by the Spirit leads to what's the next three words? What is it? Life and peace. Now back to the software company deal. I spent some time reading the Bible Journaling, And then I just kind of felt a little prompting, a whisper. It wasn't audible, but just said, this is not it. Folks, regardless of the prompting or the whisper you receive, always test it against the life and peace test. If you feel peaceful about it and calm about it, and there's energy to it, then maybe it's the decision you need to make. But if you feel anxious and worried and you're dreading it, you need to put a pause on the decision. And if people say, oh, you can't do a pause, then say, well, I'm not ready to make it. Folks, I can't force you to do this, but I wish you strongly that some of you would try the life and peace test. And just as it's worked for me, maybe it would work. For some of you. God guides us through his word, through his whispers, and finally through wise people. Proverbs 11:14 14 says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. There are tons and tons of Scripture verses that just kind of encourage us to seek wisdom from other people. And Proverbs assumes that they are mature and that they're godly and that they love you and they know you well. That's why you don't ask Cousin Eddie, who doesn't go to church, who has nothing to do about God, but every time you're in a mess, he's like, oh man, they screwed you, dude. No, you don't need people like that. You want godly, kind people around you who will speak truth, even if it's hard. In the first few years of the jar, I made tons of unilateral decisions. I didn't invite God in. I didn't invite other people in. And I got a lot of major decisions wrong. And this is what happens when you're a leader. Regardless of... How many people you lead. When you get the decision wrong, it doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone that you lead. And I remember some of the pain that I caused a lot of people because I made the decisions on my own. So when this software deal came to me, I went and I talked to some wise friends. One said this, you mean you only got seven days? <laughs> I start, he just started laughing. I was like, dude, thanks, you know. I'm trying to be honest here. He's like, you only have seven days to make this decision. That's not a wise decision to make in seven days with that kind of money. Another guy who I respect came up to me and said, Chris, you don't know anything about computers. I've seen you before. You don't even know how to turn one on sometimes. you got to call Mikey and the rest of the staff to help you navigate things. And you want to go into something that you know little about. Then I talked to uh, my financial advisor who's a Christ follower. He said, well, what is the prospectus for this that you're going to get in? In other words, what are they predicting you're going to make? I don't know. He didn't tell me. Is your friend putting any money into this? "Uh, No, but he's a really good guy. Is the risk high? Yeah. Then he just said, I think you should pass. Like you should pass. And thank God I did. Folks, when we invite wise, trusted friends into the process of key decision making, God's guidance becomes so much clearer. So the question is, would you be willing to process the key decisions in your life with some wise people around you who know you and who love you? And secondly, do you have any of these wise, loving people around you? Folks, if you don't have some wise, godly people around you who care for you, I'm concerned for you. And I mean this seriously. I really am. And if you don't have some people in, that, in your life that are like that, I strongly encourage you to get into a small group. Like if I were you and I was sitting there and I didn't have some loving godly people around me that I could ask for some wisdom, I would be running to the resource table or checking on the card, signing up to have a group of people around me who would love me, who would be for me, and I could go for it. And for some of you, if you don't have people like that, Celebrate Recovery on Thursdays is where you should go because there's wisdom and counsel with people around you who love you, who are willing to speak truth into your life. Folks, take the risk. Get into a group. And it may not feel comfortable at first. It rarely does. But over time, if you dig into it more and more, you'll find godly, wise people around you who help you through this. Now, I can't leave without asking you just one more question. It's the last one, and it's this. What is the single most critical decision a human being needs to make? During your time on planet Earth, what's the single most critical decision you could make? Well, I think we all know what it is. And it's whether or not to be reconciled to the God of the universe or not. Will I be reconciled with God or will I choose my own way? Remember the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 8 verse 36. What does it profit someone to gain the whole world and to lose your soul? Paraphrasing, let's just say, for instance, you get every single decision right in the history of all human beings. You get them all right. Every financial decision, every relational decision, every health decision, every investment decision. But you just get one thing wrong, and that is about having a relationship with God. an immense tragedy. Folks, what does it take to be reconciled to God? Basically, it takes a decision. It takes a decision. What's the wisest decision you could ever make? I mean, what's the decision that you wouldn't just be grateful for like right now, but you would be grateful for For the rest of eternity. It's a decision to humble yourself, regardless of where you're at, admit your wrongdoing to the God who loves you and knows you, and ask Jesus to be your leader, your forgiver, and your friend. And if you did that, you would be so grateful that you got that decision right. And you know what? The reality is you could make that decision anywhere, at any time. You could make it even right now. But there's that proverb that says don't do anything in haste. So what we're going to do, the way we're going to close today, we're going to bring the lights down. And Derek's going to lead us in a song about asking God to speak to you. I don't know what the biggest decision in your life is right now, but whatever that is, we're going to pray that God would give that to you. And maybe for some of you, that decision is to say, today, I'm going to accept Christ. And I'll be here and a couple other people will be up here. So I'd just like you to sit there for a second and... You can sing along if you want, but we're going to allow the words of God to speak to you.
1: I am your servant. to me, Lord, speak to me. Me through your word and through your spirit, speak your words of life. Speak to me, speak to me. I am listening, I am waiting. Speak to me. I'm
0: going to invite our uh, prayer team to uh, come up, and uh, if you can stand going to close in prayer. And if today is a day that you need to make a decision to say, Jesus, you know, the wisest decision I really could make is to follow you. I'll be up here to pray for people. A couple other folks will be as well. And it would be the wisest decision you could ever make. Now, kind of like we've done over the last uh, few weeks, I'm going to uh, invite someone. Uh, Brent Close is going to come up and kind of close us in our prayer benediction that we'll read out loud. Brent and his family have been attending the JAR for about the last nine years, and he's accepted Christ here. He got baptized here, and he's really growing in his Christian faith. And when I have to make some decisions, he's one of our trustees that deal with money and and how we can be most effective. Brent's uh, one of those people I turn to. So let's welcome Brent uh, here. And he'll be like your shirt color. We didn't plan on wearing the same shirt color, so. As we continue to reflect on being wiser with our words, let's declare this benediction together as a church in one strong voice. Please join me. Here we stand, united by the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We confess that we have depended on our own insights and hope that would be enough. God, in this moment, help us put that way of thinking to rest. Guide our community as we practice what has been instilled in us today. We ask for your divine wisdom to teach us. In Jesus' name.